ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rewind Wrestling Radio right here on the Rewind Wrestling Network where I, your host Ted Weston, along with my crew, OG Will, the New Mouth of the South, Tyler Peters, Rep Amy Veronica, the Temptress Witch Ivy, the Executive Nelio Cuomo Costa, the Presenter of the Key, Kevin Key, and the Cuz, Cousin Mike, bring you the best content in wrestling podcasting. It's the indies, it's the pros, it's anywhere you go. Let's jump right in to Rewind Wrestling Radio. Finally, the reigning, defending host of Rewind Wrestling Network is back. (laughs) Oh my God, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rewind Wrestling Radio right here on the Rewind Wrestling Network. I'm your host, Ted West, and I am here with all the boys of the hood, uh, except for OG. OG could not be here for whatever reason tonight. We're not sure exactly what that reason is, but he's not here tonight. (laughs) He's uh he's off celebrating his third day of Valentine's Day. Um, so I've got the new math of the South, Mr. Tyler Peters. I've got the cuz cousin Mike. I've got the presenter of the key, the reigning undisputed, undisputed Pepe Silva champion, at least until the tiebreaker is done. Um, we are going to uh, be talking a whole bunch of stuff wrestling for you guys. Uh, uh, right right off the bat though, just to talk to you guys for a second here as the audience. Um, the last time I was on the show, uh, we were talking about me not being here for a while. Um, unfortunately, we've had some things change. Some um, some turnover has happened uh, in my my personal life. Some different things. So uh, I'm gonna hang on for a couple of weeks here, and we're gonna we're gonna keep on moving on until WrestleMania. You're gonna see some different layout for our content in order for us to make that happen for everybody. Uh, but I'm super happy that I get to continue to have these conversations with these guys and with the. Uh, with Ivy and with OG as well, and and Amy and Nelio when they can make it, but they're busy doing all the CCW things because CCW is like blowing up the southern part of the country right now. Um, that being said, uh, I also want to send a big shout out to Ivy. Uh, Ivy had a, a death in the family this week, and Ivy, we're thinking of you. We love you, and uh, you know, do you take care of what you got to take care of, and then we'll you know we'll see you when you get back. Okay. Um, for all of our, our viewers, for all of our listeners, please, please, please hit that subscribe button. Hit that notifications button. Make sure that you never miss an episode. We want you to like. We want you to comment as well. Give us your thoughts about the show. We want to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, please remember to like us across all the social media platforms and follow us, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at Rewind Podcast, W-R-E-W-I-N-D-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Uh, all right. Merch. Go buy merch. Watermaneuver.net. Uh, let's jump into this thing and talk a little bit of professional wrestling. So I haven't really talked to you guys about wrestling since uh, cuz and Ivy and I watched the Royal rumble together, which was live on YouTube, but then got taken off the YouTube because they could hear the audio in the background and we got copyrighted. Um, So that show is, is saves on my computer, but forever not allowed on Facebook or not on allowed on YouTube anymore, rather. Um, But with that, you know, with all that being said, Let's let's talk a little bit about the direction of the WWE coming out of the Royal Rumble, going into Elimination Chamber this weekend, and moving forward to WrestleMania. Do we think Elimination Chamber is helping us launch off to WrestleMania, or do we think it's an unnecessary bump in the road to slow things down? Um, so we're going to talk about those things. We're also going to talk about the big builds going into AEW. AEW has another pay-per-view coming up. Uh, is it Revolution? Is that the pay-per-view coming up for AEW? I think it is. I think it's revolution. Um, so someone's gonna fact check that for me while I'm while I'm talking here. Um, 
but we've got an AEW pay-per-view coming up where we've got a tech, Texas death match. We've got Danielson MJF. We've got the, the, uh, the ass boys are going to be out there uh, in a fatal four way for the tag team championships. Uh, you've got some drama happening in the women's division and some good storytelling happening there. We're going to talk about all that stuff as well. And, uh, and then we will uh, continue to, you know, talk all things professional wrestling to the best of our ability. And the goon champion has confirmed it is revolution happening uh, for AEW coming up very shortly. So thank you for that. Uh, let's, let's start with the WWE. Let's start with talking about uh, Royal Rumble. I mean, I think we all knew Cody was going to win. Um, the only hope to save that would have been Sammy. And that just didn't happen. Right. Um do we think that they're doing a good job focusing on this world championship picture coming out of the rumble? Um, I have my own thoughts on it. I'll save mine till the end uh, as the host always does. Uh, and I'll turn this over to my panel here and I'll start with cousin Mike. Cousin Mike, how do you feel about this world championship picture? Sami Zayn challenges for the championship this weekend at Elimination Chamber and then the winner will face Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. So it it did a lot of things for the Rumble because uh, I had a discussion about this where I said that uh, there's always going to be some kind of like melancholy when it comes to like tempered expectations. And, you know, the assumption was Cody was going to win. And then they started developing the Sami Zayn story that developed organically, mm -hmm. which kind of helped the rumble not seem like a sure bet but it was a sure bet nonetheless and there's people out there that were happy with the result there's some people that are disappointed with the result and i think that wwe had to pull the trigger on what they put the most money into mm. but they are also dancing a very fine line of upsetting the fans to the point where they might turn on Cody if they don't pull off the Sami Zayn storyline the right way. Mm. And to be frank and honest, um, I think they're going to be in a tough spot no matter what because there's backstage talk saying that they don't see Sammy as a main event guy, but then there's other people that worked at the company before that don't work there anymore that see him as a top guy and i really wish that like the internet era kind of died off a little bit because mm. conversations like that kind of hurt the product more than help it but um it, it's it's very interesting because on one hand it would be cool to get the pop of sammy winning it would also protect roman from taking the loss to Cody and making himself look weak because it would be a acceptable finish. Hmm. Yeah, that, that has, that has some potential there for sure. But, uh, okay. But I honestly feel like It's a tough call. It's a tough call. Yeah. It's it's a very tough call. It's a very tough call. Let's let's see what some of the rest of the panel has to say here. 
Uh, Tyler P, talk to us. Yeah, I, I think it's very exciting what they're doing with Cody and uh, Sammy and, and Roman Reigns, the whole bloodline saga that's been played out on television. Uh, you know, I can't come at it a little differently that Roman Reigns, I wouldn't mind if he held on to the belts just to be kind of more of the hill mode, just to upset everybody, because I, I tend to go that route, even though I, I would enjoy Cody winning or even Sammy. I just, Roman is just uh, on such a level right now. I know people are tired of it. It's God mode. We get it. But I, I just enjoy what he's doing, and I wouldn't mind seeing it past WrestleMania. I, I don't mm -hmm. know. I, I'm such a mark for long-term storytelling, even if it, it upsets people to where they're like, can we finally get a belt or both belts off of him? I just want to see this train keep rolling. I, I don't know. Maybe that's unpopular. That's just my opinion. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, what's funny is that I, um, I actually saw a post for the first time in a long time that said someone was actually looking forward to those titles being split up again. And I'm like, no, stop it. Don't do that. That's, that's silly that, you know, please, please don't do that. So, um, you know, what, what I, when I look at this greater picture and key, I didn't forget about you. I'm just, I'm just giving a thought here. Um, when I look at this bigger picture, I, I feel almost like in order for Roman to not be the holder, it needs to be divide and conquer, or he needs to debut a single championship. Um, because the, otherwise it's constantly going to be, when are they going to get separated? When are they going to get separated? When are they going to get separated? We need one belt for one guy so that the picture is set clear. Okay. Uh, Key, what are your thoughts? Well, it's not going to be Roman who uh, brings out that one title. It will be Cody Rhodes. He will finish this story. Just like Michael Cole has said at the Royal Rumble, he will finish the story of WrestleMania. He will come back with the winged eagle title on Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. It's going to happen. The downside is they are currently wasting the whole Sami Zayn storyline if that is the way they're planning to go. Uh, I see what they're doing here. I don't see Sam. This is recorded before Elimination Chamber. I don't see Sami Zayn uh, winning at Elimination Chamber. Uh, I see some... Uh, see some playing around with the Usos coming out, even though I don't know if they can cross the border to Montreal uh, due to their DUIs. Uh, maybe some something with Jay Uso, but Kevin Owens comes out, uh, saves Sami Zayn, setting up the tag team title match at WrestleMania rather mm -hmm. than Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. I mean, your, your best storyline right now is the bloodline. It is your biggest storyline there are cracks within the bloodline due to Sami Zayn. Uh, Cody Rhodes bringing up those cracks as well makes you want Sami Zayn versus Cody Rhodes even more. Makes you want Sami Zayn versus Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns even more. Uh, but once again, I don't see Roman being the one that's going to bring the two titles into one. I see it as Cody finishing the story. Uh, that hit, raising that title that his father raised once that he never actually raised on TV and, and bringing it to real life. Mm, mm. So here's, here's my, um, here's my conundrum, right? 
I think that the plan as of two months ago was probably for KO and Sammy to challenge for those tag team championships. I think that Sammy has gotten so far over that it's almost a Kofi mania moment. Um, And, and I think, I think that WWE would be silly not to use Sammy twice at WrestleMania. And so I think, I think what will end up happening is um, my personal prediction, okay, is that, and again, this is being filmed before Elimination Chamber. It's coming out the Monday after Elimination Chamber, and I'll probably be wrong, but that's okay. Um, I think that Jay finally makes makes the choice at Elimination Chamber and screws Sammy somehow, right? Sammy loses that fight. Sammy calls Roman a coward and gets himself inputted into the main event of WrestleMania. And you have a three-way dance on night two of WrestleMania that comes right the night after the main event being Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens defeating the Usos for the tag team championships on night one. So what you're saying is that Sami Zayn has to go through the Garcia Guevara gauntlet to get to the WWE championship match. Pretty much. So that's what you're saying. That's pretty much what I'm saying. Roll up a couple jobbers uh, and, and get that title match. Sounds perfect. So I, but what I think will happen is, is uh, really, I I think that Sammy loses at elimination chamber. I think that's pretty obvious, right? Um, I think that KO and Sammy challenge for those tag team championships on night one. They win the belts, and Sammy is is already double booked, so he has two championship opportunities. And I think that Sammy takes the pin in the three way, and that's how Cody takes the belt off of Roman. Roman never gets pinned. He can constantly walk around saying, "I was never pinned. I was never pinned." Allows him to continue with full heel mode, and it gives the crowd what they want with Cody getting that redeeming moment for the Rhodes family. So that all sounds great, but um, the numbers came out for last week's SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Sammy popped five hundred thousand as a plus for his segment. There's mm-hmm. no way in hell they're going to have the payoff be him be a tag team champion at Mania. I think so. The only way that they do what that did Cody Mania, pop? What did Cody pop? On Raw, about around 125. Well, what do you guys want to talk about? Can can we just say that's the most annoying line to start a promo at this point? Yes. Next to next to uh, Hulk Hogan. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, like it. It was nuts. Cornette went over the numbers. Um, Sammy's segment popped a plus 500,000 viewers. And it was the end of the night. People tuned back in. 500,000 people tuned back in mm. to watch that segment. Mm. He is a draw. It is confirmed that he is a draw. There is okay, no- but but okay, but listen, one night's numbers doesn't it does not a draw make, my man. But what I mean is is like they've been consistently going over the numbers mm. and he is the biggest draw in WWE right now. I mean, I believe that, but I don't. I also don't believe that they're willing to 
not pay off the story of Cody Rhodes. Oh, I, think, I don't think so either. I but think that I have a feeling that Cody's going to help him win the belt, and then Cody's going to take the belt off of him. Cody's I, I think get his no matter what. I think Cody has to get his moment at WrestleMania. I think that the the build since last WrestleMania has to lead to that road because there's no bigger stage. And I think that no matter when Sammy wins the belt, it's a it's the huge it's the huge moment. But I think if Cody doesn't win the belt at WrestleMania, it's not the right moment. I also Cody love how Cornette is breaking down like every minute of the show. Hey, we have numbers popping in this in this time. Yeah, like they, they literally have the breakdown of every 15 minute segment of the show. Like they have the ratings posted online. It's insane. You should it's see what sick. they you should see how bad AEW is doing, dude. Oh man. Well, listen, we'll get to AEW in a minute. Um all right. So the next thing I want to talk about real quick here is is elimination chamber as a whole. Okay. Um is this is this an unnecessary speed bump or is it a springboard that's launching us to WrestleMania? It has to be one or the other. There's no middle ground. Okay, it's not a oh well it's okay, we can take it or leave it. Uh no, it's either an unnecessary speed bump on the road to WrestleMania or it is a launching point that springs us forward to get us excited for it. Um, where do you stand on it? I want to know what you guys have to say about it. And Tyler P, I'm going to come to you first, buddy. I think it's a springboard to WrestleMania. I think because you got Sami Zayn challenging Roman, you've got the Judgment Day involved, uh, you know, with the United States title. There, there's so much on the line. I think it has to build to WrestleMania. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I, I think you, you got to elevate WrestleMania, and it's not unnecessary because the way they've loaded this card it it makes me want to watch Elimination Chamber. So that that's all I'll add to it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, key. What does the Royal Rumble bring out when it comes to, to WrestleMania? Brings out storyline. So that Royal Rumble match, it brings out storyline. The Elimination Chamber match, what's its job? To bring out bring some storyline. Story so all this is is building out more storyline for uh for wrestlemania and i mean it might hump a little bit like uh live morgan on the elimination chamber uh cage a few years ago you know showing up the little humps uh it might it might give us that excitement level going into wrestlemania and there's no ivy to break tonight so i couldn't even break ted so this is terrible i mean listen we all know what kind of excited you were during that moment with live morgan so listen i was there so that was that was the philly elimination chamber Right before uh, that was COVID stricken, like literally, oh, COVID's hitting this weekend. Oh, here's Elimination Chamber. Have fun with all the fans in the crowd. As as Cuz would say, Key Key saw Liv Morgan on the in the chamber, and it, all you heard, un, you know, from underneath his seat. Was, oh, you could you could probably hear me uh, at the chamber. Right, if we rewatch WWE Network, I mean Peacock, uh, you'd be able to hear me make all those noises in the background. Yep. So, yep. Bapmania over there. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's go to Cuz. So basically, Elimination Chamber is a necessary part of the whole living organism that's WWE because it allows them to move the pieces that they need to move into the right places for the pay per view. It's literally their way of saying, well, we couldn't take care of all this at Rumble. So we're going to move all our eggs and ducks in a row 
get all the big poppy shit done and then okay well we need to figure out all the rest of this so we're just gonna get it done here okay all right i i oftentimes feel like this pay-per-view in between the royal rumble and wrestlemania is unnecessary um and this time around i feel a little bit different about it only because of the bloodline storyline though um we could have this we could have like a a huge main event on SmackDown that we're, you know, where everyone gets to work for an hour on, you know, and, and challenge for the Intercontinental Championship or the US, I'm sorry, on Raw, and it could be for the US Championship. Okay. You could have a, a huge match like that. It can be no DQ, something like that. And we get almost the same payoff. Um, but the Bloodline storyline, I believe, deserves that elevation. And um, I mean, I, l- listen, the Bloodline storyline at this point in time, We've had enough exposure to the Bloodline storyline to compare it to the biggest storylines in wrestling history. Um, one of the biggest, you know, the biggest of which I think really truthfully is the NWO, right? If you look at the long-term storytelling of the NWO versus the long-term storytelling of the Bloodline, I think it's an in, it's not even an argument that the Bloodline is the stronger story. Um, and so as a result, I believe that this Roman Sammy thing needs that peak, but I'm not sure the rest of the show is really necessary. But I also feel like I I also feel like um this is a pay-per-view that is very much like an AEW pay-per-view where you can't really argue with the matches they've got on the card because the, the card looks great. You know what I mean? So you can't really argue with the success. Right. Um, so that that's kind of that's kind of where we're at. I feel like that's kind of where we're at. Um, all right, let's let's talk a little bit of AEW here. OK, um, AEW is building towards revolution uh, where we've got MJF and Daniel Bryan. We've got uh, Ring of Honor TV announced. Right. They just said that Honor Club is coming back and we're going to have Ring of Honor television on uh, on Honor Club. Um, you know, we, we saw a pretty cool dynamite last, uh, this past Wednesday, yesterday for us, um, where, uh, we saw some pretty, some pretty cool stuff, you know, Mox and Claudio, uh, tagging together, uh, cool women's main event, triple threat, triple threat, uh, cool storytelling going on with the tag team championships. Uh, you know, they're continuing to build, Wardlow in a way that makes you see him as a whole total character, which I think is great um, with the backstage segment, with the backstage interview with JR. Um, you know, there's lots, lots of stuff that's been, that's going on over there that I think are positive things about the AEW product. Um, do I think everything is positive about the AEW product? No, but I think there are lots of positives happening there. Um, and then I have one surprise topic for you guys after this. So we do, we, we do have to kind of keep it, relatively short here um so let's talk a bit a little bit about the build to revolution what are you liking what are you not liking about this so far and i started with cuz and i started with tyler once tonight so i'll start with key um for this last one honestly i'm a little uh disappointed with uh maxwell jacob friedman's choices with uh brian danielson i i expected mm-hmm. a little bit more of a build there i expected a little bit more surprises uh and that's 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 something we really got well MJF has been 
absolutely amazing on the microphone. Uh, I, I feel as if AEW is running out of those surprises, uh, especially coming out with this whole MJF, Brian Danielson feud. Uh, obviously, MJF is going to pull off the victory versus versus Danielson at Revolution. I, I, I feel as if it's a great first opponent for MJF, especially as he goes into the bidding war of 2024. Uh, but a little disappointed in this uh, this entire buildup. Uh, another thing I'm disappointed in, I mean, I know their ratings have been decreased. There, there's only one way to boost these ratings, Ted. And if they're going to be WCW, you might as well go full force. They need Goldberg. And by Goldberg, I mean not Goldberg. They need someone who is like Goldberg. And they have it, Ted. They have a Goldberg there. And her name is Jade Cargill. She needs to get on TV. She needs to squash some brats, some Rokus. She needs to go out there and squash those Rokus, have those, have those five-second matches like, like Goldberg did, and, and continue to excel the company. But right now, they, they don't have that. They have, oh, Jake Cargo, you're going to go out for a 10-minute match. You don't need that. You're Goldberg, girl. Go out there and do your job. They're not doing a great job pushing their own product. Uh, mm-hmm. I, Tony Khan is too much of a mark to get, to get through his head. Mm. Mm. Yes, good rant. How'd I do? That was a good one. That was, Tyler's that was... agreeing with me. Tyler, if you know they need more Goldberg, you know it, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's see. We'll we'll end with Tyler P. We'll we'll end with uh with Cornette Jr. over there. Let's talk to uh to Cuz first year. Cuz, talk to me. AEW's built to revolution. So how many months has MGF been champion? And we're just getting his first match now. Uh, months. <laughs> Not his like, first match, his first title defense. Like his first title defense. Yes, he, he, he fought uh, Takahashi or whatever his name is. I don't want to curse him. Take, take a Ruku he fought a couple weeks ago or last week, something. So, so we've got months without a title defense, and now we're finally getting a title defense against Daniel Bryan. A.K.A. Brian Danielson, A.K.A. Daniel Bryan, A.K.A. the American Dragon, um, which obviously this is the opening match of the title defenses, and it's the make me look good guy. So it's going to be a good match. MJF's going to look good in it, but it's not going to serve any purpose to Brian Danielson other than him helping put over younger guys. Um, I am not happy with the BS Katie Vick promo that he did. Mm. And the fans weren't happy with it either because the segment right after it, which led to his match with Taco, whatever, whatever, the ratings went down by like 150 plus thousand viewers. So clearly, you know, he needs to watch what he says and needs to do a better job of you know, the whole creative MJF story. Right. Um, uh, Jade Cardgill should be the top women's champion in their promotion. And what they should do is they should take her current title and let her not drop it, but turn it in like the U.S. title for a world title shot. Uh, you're talking like like when um when like an NWA I defended it seven times successfully so now I get a championship run you know I get a championship just, match if I turn it in or whatever Mike just say just it say, say what you want to say Mike say it turn her into Goldberg 
Just say it, Mike. It wasn't just Goldberg that did that. Everybody that had the U.S. heavyweight title, for the most part, was able to turn it in for a world title shot. Yeah. Avenge me, Michael. Um, I'm not cool with Darby Allen losing his title back to Samoa Joe. I think Samoa Joe is a shell of himself and shouldn't be in the spot that he's in. I think they're going and they're pulling on nostalgia strings. Um, I hope that Wardlow takes the belt off of him again and then they keep the belt a long way from him. Um, he is not anywhere near what he used to be. He's not even half of what he used to be and should be put in a spot where Brian Danielson's at where he should be putting over younger talent, not squashing them. Um, the tag division's cool. I like the DS boys won the title. Uh, other than that, they got to do something because they're averaging opening around 800,000 and closing at around 700. And I like that I'm seeing hints that what I thought was an obvious work looks like it might actually be a work because we're probably about a month or two away from CM Punk rejoining the company. Uh, so, last I last I read, there was still a lot of work to be done on that. Um, but who knows? I mean, it, it, you're right; it could still be a work. You, you know, you never know. But um, there is that that possibility. Tyler P. Yeah, I'm with with uh, what a lot of you gentlemen are saying. You know, MJF is one of the the best villains in wrestling, and and I like the Brian Danielson matchup. I I don't really have a problem with him not defending the title. Yet I think uh, patience is a virtue, which I like to to be honest. But how excited are you that Mark Briscoe will be? You know, I'm glad he's getting opportunities now with mm-hmm. AW, and and we could all hear you know debate the ROH deal. You know, with how you know when are we diluting it a little bit with having each star you know do the cross branding? But I'm I'm just so happy after what happened to Jay and and the Hangman Page thing. I'm not very intrigued. I hate to say it. It's nothing against the man's talent. The storylines have been critical of what they're doing with him. I'm like, Mike, I like what the gun club's been able to do with the acclaimed. I also like, you know, Jeff Jarrett. He he amazes me. I, I love watching Jeff in the ring and, mm. you know, uh, rest in peace to Jerry. And and for Jungle Boy, you know, him and Brian Cage, I'm more excited about Christian coming back. I think he has just been he he's he's great as a heel. Christian hit is what's helped the uh, Jungle Boy scenario, and and I'm with you, Ted Wardlow with Jr. Love those sit down promos. I I disagree with Mike. I like having Samoa Joe as champion. I like Darby Allen, and and we all know I'm I'm a huge fan of Sting, but I still like Samoa Joe as a champion. I, I don't think he's an old shell of himself. I think he he sometimes that's the impression people get. I, I think he's doing just fine, and I think with the women's division, we're going to get Dr. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter eventually. I don't know if it's going to happen at Revolution, but I, I see that an obvious turn some way or another. And then, of course, Adam Cole. I'm intrigued what's next for him, uh, you know, what's going to happen with Adam Cole. So that's just my takeaways. Uh, just, uh, you know, piggybacking on a lot of your guys' comments. You know what? I, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, they They released their top 10 payroll. And when I looked at the top 10 payroll for that company and who was on it versus quality of what's coming out from them, 
and it's it made my stomach hurt. Hmm. Like you got guys like Moxley that's making six million dollars a year. Arguably, he's a draw, but then you got guys like Pac that are making two million dollars a year. Yeah, and and um, there's just there's so much. It's so diluted, you know. The AEW product has become so diluted. Where it started, so focused, um, it's become very diluted. And and I hate to say that I was right in calling it WCW 2.0, but it's WCW 2.0. Um, do I think there's there's still time for them to right the ship? Absolutely. Um, but they need to double do some doubling down and turn turn some things around. It was great though, because like you could tell who the creative focus was, because he's at WWE now and he's about the main event at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Just... So, so I th- I think there's definitely some room there. Um, I, I agree about Jade Cardgill. I think that there's definitely some work to be done there. Um, but so you know, Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Brian Cage on dynamite this past week is what is wrong with AEW. Um, It just didn't come off in a way that made me feel comfortable with seeing a big guy get rolled up like that. Like, okay, you go through some drastic lengths to weaken him and then maybe roll him up. Cool. But just a quick roll up. Like if this were WWE, Everyone would be like, oh, another roll-up in the WWE. Let's roll out the roll-up counter. <laughs> you know, like, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's improbable. And, and it, it leads to me not being as invested in the product. Um, I'm not. The most devastating finishing move in wrestling history. Okay, Put Simon, you just be quiet over on there. On the fruit roll-up. Put um, it's, like, it's like they're missing the point that if they do it as often as they do, it's not special. But then, like, remember back in, like, 95 when 123Kid got the pin over on uh, Razor Ramon? Yeah. That was, like, yeah. a huge moment. Nobody saw that shit coming. It is but, what it is, man. But 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 talking about AEW and where they have successes, I think they've had a lot of success with Eddie Kingston. Um and and Eddie has not been featured as much on television lately, um, not in such a prominent way as he was over maybe, say, the summer last summer, right? Um, but he has a huge match coming up for uh, for Strong Style, for New Japan, right? Um, and so we've got Kingston versus Switchblade in a Loser Leaves New Japan match um because jay white already lost a loser leaves japan match right so now he's in a match where it's loser leaves new japan lots of people wondering where he is he going to end up is he going to end up in AEW? is he going to end up in wwe my from what i've read and from my my limited sources uh have been able to garner that uh wwe is more than interested in getting Jay White in the door over in the WWE, skipping NXT, going straight to the main roster, uh, making an immediate splash kind of thing. Even I've heard rumors, uh, Raw after Mania, Jay White shows up. 
uh, as, as a big potential thing. Um, I want to know what your thoughts are. Where do you think he ends up? Um, and do you think that we, uh, do you think the company will, whichever company he ends up with, will A, use him correctly and B, will benefit from having him there? Um, let's start with uh, with Cuz on this one. All right, so I don't like that he'd be coming straight up onto the main roster just because the casual WWE fan is not going to know who the hell he is. And I'm not saying that, you know, the average WWE fan doesn't watch or whatever, but I feel like he'll end up getting a reaction like Karrion Cross did when Karrion Cross came back. Because mm. when he initially came back, there was like nothing from the crowd. Yeah. There yeah. Was um, There's potential for that. I think he's a great talent. I'd rather see him in NXT, but I don't think that the current direction of NXT fits him. Hmm. So I think long-term, he'd probably be better off going to AEW, getting in front of the American crowd for a little while. Hopefully he doesn't sign a seven-year deal or a five-year deal. Uh, once the American crowds get familiarized with him, he could go to the WWE. I just, I don't, it'll be very hard. It's not like AJ Styles. AJ Styles had like a huge, huge following. Hmm. Um, okay. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see what the, uh, what the rest of the panel has to say here. Let's, let's go to Tyler P. Yeah, I think uh, with uh, Switchblade Jay White, I think one way you could introduce him on the roster, I get what Mike's saying, that he's not got the following AJ has, but he's got a pretty good following. The thing is what I would do if you're going to do that, start, you know, don't rush him on TV, get the video packages going. Really detail this guy's career so you can educate a lot of the new casual fans if you're going to introduce him that way, but you could still do that with NXT. I, I could see him going both ways with it. And even AEW, knowing all the new Japan people there as well. So it, you brought up a lot of great points. It, it's kind of hard for me to gauge because I don't follow new Japan as good. So it's, you know, I've definitely heard of Jay White, watched his matches, got a lot of respect for him, but I do get, he's not that big draw like a lot of people think, but I think with the way triple H is booking and doing creative, there's a lot of hope there. So mm -hmm. I think if you can get Bronson Reed over like we're seeing on Raw, I'm pretty sure Jay White's got a good opportunity. So that, that's mm -hmm. all I was going to insert. Because uh, to be fair, I don't have a lot of uh, knowledge on Jay White. But I could see him going to WWE. Hmm. Key, what are your thoughts? Correct me if I'm wrong here. Jay White was on Impact Wrestling. Yeah. Jay White was on AWTV. So there yeah. is some knowledge of Jay White in America. Uh, other than New Japan. Uh, so to me, being that you've seen Jay White on Impact, you've seen J Jay White on AEW, the one thing that stuck out with Jay White is that Bullet Club t-shirt. Where you see the Bullet Club, you think of guys like Finn Balor, you think of guys like AJ Styles, who you've already mentioned, and you think of guys like the O.C., what better way to bring the OC back into the forefront of WWE than giving them a third guy, a leader in Jay White, 
And then down the road, it turns into, okay, OC, you need to choose. Who's the real leader? Is it Jay White or is it AJ Styles? And the person who I trust more than anyone leading this argument is Triple H as head of creative. He's someone who continues to push, push wrestlers, puts them in the best position to succeed. And I really do believe that Hunter will put Jay White in the best position to be successful. Best way to do that, put him with the guys he knows, put him with the club. Hmm. I think I think there's some real um there's some real potential there for that. Um I think there are two ways that WWE could handle this, right? Because I feel like if he goes to AEW, he's just another guy from New Japan that ends up at AEW and doesn't get used all that often. He's on dark more than he's on, you know, on TV, right? Um, but if he goes to WWE, say he does go to NXT, he can be the real cocky guy in NXT that goes, I won't be here long, fellas, right? And then he just blows through a you know through NXT in like two months, and they build up a little tape library on him, and they're able to use that to promote him on Raw and on SmackDown, and then um, you know you go from there. The the other way you could do this is you can make it an almost like a bidding war, like the NWOs had for Sting, right? Wolfpack had just come out. Um, Wolfpack and Black and White and you know Wolfpack and Hollywood were both bidding for Sting. They both wanted Sting to be in the NWO. Sting came out. He wore the Black and White shirt. Then he assaulted Hogan or Nat or, or Big Show or whatever. And then he ripped it off and he had the black, the red and black underneath. Um, you could very much so do that, um, and do it almost like they did with Scott Steiner when Scott Steiner came to the WWE. Um, you know, Stephanie and Paul were, or Stephanie and Eric, was it at that time, were yeah. both like heavily bidding for Scott Steiner, right? Um, make it almost like a bidding war between the Judgment Day because of Finn Balor's connection and the OC, and almost make it like AJ Styles is like, I can't be out there doing the thing right now. I need you. You know, we were part of the club together. You know, you, I need you to come help me now. You know, don't don't fall into Finn's BS, you know, and I think that has potential to tell a good story and to make the Judgment Day stay relevant and keep elevating them because Jay White and Damian Priest matches. I am fucking here for it. Sorry, I am Rokuing here for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Switchblade versus Damian Priest, you know, because because Switchblade goes with the OC and he and he says, screw the Judgment Day. That would be awesome. Right. Like we've all seen Balor and Jay White. That's fine. I want to see Damian Priest and Jay White going toe to toe on pay-per-view. Okay. Yeah, in I, like a cage match. Like if I had my choice of a guy to show up on Raw, especially with Cody celebrating, I want it to be Magnus. Yeah. Especially because their W their NWA matches were fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Rewind Wrestling Radio. Now that's not just the coolest, and that's not just the best. Rewind Wrestling Radio. Now that, my friends, is just incredible. Check them out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Tyler and Mike's Insights. And I am Tyler Peters, and I'm joined by my broadcast colleague, my tag team partner, cousin Mike Byer. Mike, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Tyler. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing great, man. It's always a fun time to talk some wrestling with you, buddy. Uh, talk wrestling. about the guy with the, yeah, some wrestling. There you go. Some insights 
and knowledge, that is cosmic for sure. All right. So the plan for today is Mount Rushmore's. Ooh. Everybody has one. Right. Sometimes they sync up. Sometimes they don't. We're going to go through five through one of our Mount Rushmore's. And we're going to name our favorite match for each member of said Mount Rushmore. And we'll see if we sync up or not. Let's see yep. if we agree or disagree. So, would you like me to start? Yes. Be my all guest. Right. My number five for all-time greatest wrestler would have to be Ric Flair. Oh, for sure. Uh, Rick's got to be up there. My favorite match from Ric Flair is when he challenged Triple H for the World Heavyweight title. That was a great match. Because everybody just expected him to do the finger poke of doom and lay down in the ring and everything like that. Nope. Nope. He turned it up, you know. Yeah, wasn't going to do it, man. You know, Rick was going to challenge the game. I mean, I, I love the storytelling. I mean, the, the psychology. It was, it was so cool to me because <laughs> it showed how much of a good worker Hunter was. Oh, for sure. And it showed how much of a good worker the trip that uh, Ric Flair was, too, at the same time. Now, I'm not like a big Ric Flair guy, like off over the top. No, you, you've been honest about that before. If people go back and listen to our previous episodes, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what we're about. We're about just opinions, and I respect that. And all I was going to say, I couldn't agree with you more about the work rate of Triple H or Ric Flair. You can't go wrong. Both those guys are and at the top, top of their game. Pardon the point. That's, that's my favorite match that sticks out for me for Ric Flair. And I'm saying Ric Flair as an individual. I'm not lumping Triple H into it either. I'm just saying as Ric sure. Flair as an individual, that was my favorite match. Now, he's had legendary matches before and everything like that. But still, that one stuck out to me because it was like, it was kind of watching like the gunslinger. Yeah, it's like that old Western. It's like a good Clint Eastwood movie or if you, yeah. you know, whoever you're into, maybe before they like a Gary Cooper and John Wayne. But you always see the duel. And and I think that's a perfect way of analyzing that. I, I love how you brought that up, man. I'm like an old soul anyway, so I enjoy a good Western analogy. All right, so who's your number five? Number five, he could have ranked even farther, but I have to put uh, the hot rod, okay. Rowdy Roddy Popper. I'll, I'll tell you why. I know people don't look at him as the greatest technical wrestler. He never had to be because of his promos cool. and – his presentation. I mean, the guy could, could work. He, he was great for what he was able to do, but I, to me, one of my favorite matches, and I just watched it recently was WrestleMania eight. You'll, you'll remember this when he took on Bret Hart, it was the okay. match that even Bret said, made him help establish him because Piper was very, you know, giving, he was unselfish yeah, and, and wanted to put him over. And I love the story they were telling because it, he was going to tease whether he was going to hit Bret with a ring belt. And then Hina on commentary was perfect saying, oh, he was a coward. I'm paraphrasing, you know, but I love even the promo with me and Gene before the match, how it started out yeah. kind of nice. And then they got competitive and I just love everything about it. The, it goes back to psychology too. What were your thoughts of that? The memories of that? Oh match? man. Like the whole thing about Roddy Piper is that he never needed titles. That's why he never won a world heavyweight title. Yeah. That's why like he was never like at the top of the card or anything like that, but he he was a draw and like he just kind of fell into the IC title. Like 
Oh, he did. There's a perfect example of a guy who takes a belt and makes it like so much more so that when the next guy comes on and takes it, it catapults the next guy. Yeah, it elevates him. And I, I think that's, you know, it, it speaks a lot when even Bret Hart, because he had so much mutual admiration for, for Piper and the same for Roddy. Uh, because, you know, Brett, if he's been vocal, if he, he didn't like you or, or think you were helping him and, and he has nothing but nice things to say, which a lot of people do, they, they respect the kind of the old school mentality Piper had. I don't, I don't think anybody can say a bad thing about Roddy Piper. Uh, yeah. I, I think that, you know, that's what I'm saying. I think everybody just speaks so highly of him. I was a fan going back to the coconut segment with Jimmy Snooker. That those were just ahead of their time. I mean, going back to the WrestleMania, you know, you could get away with some of the stuff Piper was doing back then, but it, he could, he could get it over. And, and I know it was controversial, but Hey, that was hot rod for you, man. He just did not care. Yeah. That's what helped and get him over go from zero to 60 in a matter of like, you know, yeah. a second. And I don't care if you couldn't understand him. It was just so fun. His charisma. There would be some things that are so funny. You're you're kind of thinking, Lowly what was peasants. he saying? Yeah, what was he talking about? He he was on some kind of, you know, I'm not accusing him of it, but it's like he had to be on acid sometimes. And they want to give Ultimate Warrior a bad time. But even Piper, I loved him. But And he would bring it home. He would land the plane and have a point. But his promos were just so unique and different. I, but I loved yeah. him. I think everybody did. Okay. All right. So my number four. All right. Would have to be. Uh, Eddie Guerrero. Oh, that's a great choice. And my all time favorite match with him was a losing effort. But. It was the strap match between him and uh, JBL. Oh, that that was classic. Man, him and JBL had some wars. Yeah. And, like, on one hand, like, you know, he lost the title and everything. But on the other hand, like, he really needed an adversary. And he did what he could to build up JBL as a yeah, and, proper and, adversary. Yeah, and JBL was perfect, man. He was going to the border. Speaking of controversial, I mean, he was running people off south of the border. I hate that I'm laughing about it. I don't mean it in an ugly way, but you got to watch it, man. You got to see how good JBL was. He was yeah. betraying that that Cowboy Wall Street uh, role so perfectly because it, it really yeah, fit. Like, and it was an extension of who he, I think he really is in a, in a nice way. But, that was just John Bradshaw Layfield. But with anybody else, that wouldn't have worked. No. I mean, he, he was, uh, he was tailor-made. Just the effort that Eddie made to put him over is what mm -hmm. put him in that spot for me. Yeah, Eddie, if Eddie didn't like you, he wasn't going to push you over, kind of like we were talking with Piper and, and Bret Hart. But you're so true with your statement there, Mike, is Eddie, if he believed in you, he, he was going to make sure that he yes you were going to be what, a made star. And that's what made him a great star, was just like... It was. Just... They don't make guys like him anymore. No, and, and another one that uh, we lost uh, way too soon, love Eddie Guerrero. And that family, think about the lineage of the Guerreros and the yeah. territories. And, hey, Popper, they were an opponent of, of Popper. So everything kind of is tying in, in a way. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, my, my next one would have to be, I'll tell you what, I, I'm having to think about because it it's so tough. I'm going to go to uh, 
Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I don't know why, but man, Bret Hart's still involved. I go back to that one WrestleMania where where it was the double turn. Ken Shamrock was a special referee. And that was the which, year before I started getting heavily back into wrestling. And it was in Chicago. I can't think of the number for some reason. Can you help me out? What what number of WrestleMania? Uh, I think it was 13. 13. There you go. Won the belt. There you go. Thank you for that. I, I don't know why. I can't recall any better in my memory, but I, I knew it was in Chicago, Rosemont Horizon, or at least maybe one of the suburbs. But that was uh, that was crucial for both those guys because Austin was starting to get cheered. He was getting – that's when it, it catapulted. I mean, even before the whole McMahon ordeal. And really, Hart was a catalyst for that too with the Montreal Screwjob and then before he went to WCW. They had just some classic matches. They were physical. They were bleeding kind of going old school, but not overdoing it. And and technically, man, we all know how good Steve was before the injuries, uh, talking about Austin and, and Shamrock. That was cool to see him, you know, toss Brett. And if you think about it, if you hear Shamrock and shoot interviews, you know, Brett Hart, the whole family was crucial and helped training him to transition from MMA into wrestling. So that was kind of a neat aspect to that whole deal, why he was involved. So I thought that was a, another one. And I know people are going to go, Oh, well, he's got the Team Bret Hart shirt. He's partial, but I can't help it. Bret did have some some classics, man. I, I know it's going to – here here we go. He, he's mentioned Piper and Hart. I'll have to change it up next because I'll, I'll, I'll get accused. Oh, he, he's one of those marks. It's just going to go he, – he's Team Canada. I thought he was on America's side. Remember when Bret did that? So, oh, my gosh. All right. So, my number three would have to be – The Rhodes Brothers versus Shield. Oh yeah. And I put Cody up there. You know, no, I can't say that. I take that back. That's an honorable mention match. We're not That's talking fair. about matches, we're talking about individuals. So Hey, take your time. I, I had to think about it. It's not easy. Yeah. I'm just. All right. Uh, you've got. Kurt Angle. Oh, yeah. Kurt Angle's a great one. And he had that triple threat match at Mania. Can't go he... wrong. He was also on the losing side of things, but if I remember right, wasn't it Benoit got the IC title? Yeah, I think Chris Jericho... Benoit got the, the, the Intercontinental title, and then Jericho must have got the other belt. Yeah, he got the European. So, talk about like a Hall of Fame like match. Yeah, th those three guys, and that was, you know, Jericho, that was prime Jericho for me back in this area. He's doing some great yeah. things now to help younger talent. I'm not denying what he's been able to do with AEW, but that was a special time because Jericho was starting to grow into his own. I think he even admitted he needed to go to WCW first and get that experience and then and then find his way to WWE, and he'd been in ECW Smoky Mountain before that, coming into just, the States. Yeah, go ahead. I remember playing SmackDown too. <laughs> and number one, the music that they would have in between, like the matches, like the options music, was like the creepiest music. At right, it, it was so weird. I, I can remember wanting to buy those games as soon as they came out. I, so I know what you're talking about. 
But one of the coolest things was, is like I played through the season mode as Jericho, and it actually really gave you that sense of like trying to break through the fourth wall to get to the world title, kind of like how he did with you know his career and everything like that, because it was just a tough, tough thing to do. But yeah. going back to going back to the Mania match again, it was another guy who was in a losing effort, but he was putting the other guys over so that, you know, there was more money to be pulled and, you know, more credibility. Out yeah. There. That, that's what it was about establishing the, the other talent. And man, I loved watching Kurt Angle, especially with those guys, Benoit and Jericho. So that was another uh, case of chemistry and just timing that those guys had it. So that's a great choice. So I guess it's my turn now. Yes. It's not going to be Bret Hart, believe it or not. Yeah, I'm going to change it up a lot. Two matches are, are too much, I guess. What about Ric Flair? You brought him up. I'm going to go back to WrestleMania 8. You know, everybody talks about Steamboat and Savage, but I loved the storyline with Savage and Flair back at WrestleMania 8 when it was involved Miss Elizabeth. And that's gotcha. where Mr. Perfect was accompanying Ric Flair. Bobby Heenan was on commentary, but he was still part of the faction. I loved how him and Gorilla, the banter they had. And to me, just, man, both these guys, two legends, and they, they put together one phenomenal matchup. Flair was, it was a great match. And it at was. the same time, too, you could see the repercussions for the Lloyds of London contracts. You you could. Because that's what kept uh, Henning perfect from getting in the ring. Yeah, that, that was the only downfall to some of these great wrestlers if they had injuries or or relied on that uh, that policy. It, yeah, they weren't allowed to uh, get in the ring as soon as they would like. Yeah, so that unless was, they reimbursed the money back into the insurance claim. True. But I just love, you know, as much as the storyline, the match was great, but just involving Miss Elizabeth, the way Flair could use pitchers, you know, they they teased they were going to use it, and knowing how Savage was, kind of, you know, God rest his soul was, you know, from what you hear, really paranoid, you know, at the time. And and they, uh, you know, Savage was always intense. Flair could be intense. He could turn it on to another level. And uh, the finish, every time it looked like when they cheated the hills that they were going to get the babyface, Savage, the babyface ends up coming out on top and he he becomes champion. So I, th- I love the story. Yeah. All so right. That, so my number, you know. my number two. Okay. It would have to be. Triple H and my all-time favorite Triple H match. It's just a neck above the Hell in a Cell match that he had at uh, gotcha. the Rumble. And it's the second match that he had with Undertaker at Mania. Oh, yeah. Him and Taker had some classics too, man. And I just remember having like this guttural, angry reaction seeing him getting beat by Undertaker. And I stand by my statement where I say that Undertaker wasn't impressive until the second half of his career. Yeah, he, he reinvented himself he, when he started doing yeah. more moves and you saw him doing stuff over the top rope. Yeah, and- once, once they did away with all the hokey stuff, and I'm not talking badass Undertaker either. I'm talking like, yeah, when Taylor he got he went right back into the the older character, but it was uh, more modified. Yeah. So that match where they had Shawn Michaels as the guest referee, and it was for Shawn Michaels' career and everything like that. Man, 
I think I split a coffee table in half being so mad. Wow. I, like, but that, that's like a beautiful this. thing. Yeah. Cause you were invested. It made you suspend disbelief. And that's what's missing today, unfortunately. And it was, was like that... one of those like cheap oat board Ikea coffee tables. <laughs> Why did you have to do it? And like, I just remember myself like full on just like, <laughs> God damn it. Why doesn't his old ass just freaking quit? The table's like, done. Yeah. And you just see this table just implode. <laughs> well, Mike was actually uh, inventing his own uh, tables, ladders, and chairs during the Undertaker Triple H match. Yeah. There you go. But, like, just, oh, man. And it was the one time where, like, because, like, common sense every time Undertaker went into Mania before he fought Brock Lesnar was he was going to win, no mm -hmm. matter what. Like, it just got to... It got to the point after that match, after seeing him take like the super kick and then the pedigree and then the pedigree again, and he kicks out and then he beats Triple H. I just he just overcomes it all. I mean, yeah, and at most point, people like, would be put away, but not, not but not Undertaker. Pardon me. Yeah, I was like at this point, I'm like, whatever, dude. And then like two years later, he gets beat by by Brock Lesnar because it ends the streak. Yeah. Yeah, and people are, you know, still a, a little undecided on that, but, you know, that's that's for another podcast. Okay, I, I wanted to go back in the archives, you know, a, a little bit on this one, but you'll appreciate this because we, we, me, you, Ted, and everybody's talked about it a lot, but Magnum TA, I love him and Tolly Blanchard's rivalry. Going back to Starcade 85, the cage match, I quit. Uh, I, I loved it. I mean, I know it was physical, it was brutal, it, it had a lot of blood, but they, they told a very physical and, uh, you know, intense story. I mean, you, you can't help but overuse a lot of those terms, but it was, uh, it's really hard to describe. You have to watch it. It was just, uh, it, it was old school wrestling, man. It was that NWA style. And th these guys flourished. I mean, Tolly and, and Magnum. Yeah. Um, it's a good choice. I really wish that medical you know mm -hmm. just anything in general like surgeries were where they're at now versus back when tully and you know magnum and everything had their uh had the yeah. accident like I, I just i know that that was the the rough part because he would have been champion easily i mean even crockett yeah, said that was going to be the plan you know just push yeah, like he, he he was the next guy in line. Mm -hmm. I mean, he goes down and they move the Sting and Luger. Right. It's funny they had to they had to develop two guys to replace one guy. That's how good a guy was. Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't do uh, the Russian Nikita Volkov. Yeah, right? with uh, Nikita Koloff. Yeah, because he was uh, taking on Flair, taking on Magnum. He was in a lot of big programs, but. That's when your young guns came in. And I, I was a fan of Sting too, but I, I was saying, man, you know, what would their careers have looked like? Because if Magnum would have not had the car accident, that would have been the guy for a long time. I mean. Yeah. I think Sting would have been pushed. Not yeah. so sure about Lex Luger. Yeah. I'm not so sure either. Cause Lex definitely made it off the look and he's admitted he, he's a different personnel, you know, people's perception of him. He, uh, I'm glad to see he's recovering like Buff Bagwell. A lot of those guys that went through a lot of issues, uh, 
but yeah, I don't, I'm not sure about Luger, but definitely Sting, I could see it, just the charisma and the way Dusty was a fan of him and Flair. He had a lot of big stars that were proponents, you know, of him. So that helps. And uh, I'm going to throw it back to you because I'm going to have to think about what my last one would be. What, what's the count? I've lost track. We're up to number one. Like, what's our okay. number one? Yeah, I'll let you go first because I'm going to have to kind of go back in the Google machine and try to figure out what the number one and recall all of these. There's been so many great matches. A number one. All right. And it's funny because this guy's not on my per like this guy's not on my personal Mount Rushmore, but he's on a lot of people's Mount Rushmores. I'm following. And it's Hulk Hogan. The Hulkster. And I think the greatest match that he ever worked was Hulk versus Rock. Oh, it's got to be. And talk about where people were starting to cheer him back, even though he was supposed to be Hollywood Hulk Hogan, with yeah, even the I, Rock. Thank God he did not have the grease paint beard. I uh, know he, he lost it for some reason. Yeah, that would have been awkward. I mean, because after a while, you got, I know you're Hollywood Hogan right here, but now you're starting to be reminiscent of the red and yellow because the Rock's the ultimate good guy. But everybody yeah. wants to cheer Hogan, though, because it's Toronto. As much as we think about it like Bret Hart country, really? it, it's, I mean, it, it's Hulkamania, man. I mean, that, that was the last time that he was at peak health and he looked like a million bucks. Yeah, he did. He was in great shape. I mean, oh, just the pose down when he does the... Hey, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it, it it reminds you of the 80s, even though he was a little shorter. And Because if you remember, Hogan actually shrunk. He used to be, actually be realistically 6'7", but he had so many back surgeries from doing the leg drop that he's actually still a big guy, but he's just 6'4". Now, he used to be a lot taller. So Yeah. But just like... Nobody knew where that match was going to go. Uh, yeah, I don't think they had a clue. It, it was very organic, which is always good. You, you could just feel it the way Rock and Hogan, they've admitted they, they were filling the crowd. They were letting them kind of dictate how they yeah. wanted to and go. Like the, mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole looking around. <laughs> yeah, getting that tease, like, what are we going to do? What's the anticipation here? You know, yeah, you could feel that electricity like Gorilla would talk about. God rest his soul. You know, it was cool to have JR on the call. Yeah, rip the shirt and and see the rock kind of looking around like, you know, he's he's stunned and and each of them get their uh, you know, their shots in. And it was it was just an iconic cool. moment to see Hogan and Rock. There's a dream match that everybody was clamoring for and, and got it. And it, it, it like delivered. Perfect, perfect timing. Mm -hmm. the, the stars were aligned for it. It's they probably were. It's probably the best dream match that we could ever have had. I know a lot of people were clamoring for Sting versus Undertaker mm -hmm. or like Goldberg versus Austin and like a bunch of sure. other silly matches. This was the one match where everybody wanted to see it and it was absolutely perfect. Oh, it was. You couldn't have uh, laid it out any better. And once they did this match... No other dream match was ever going to top it. I don't care what anybody says on mm -hmm. the independent scene. I don't care what anybody says with like other guys. Like mm -hmm. it, it tops a Dookie Flair. It, it, it tops, does. 
It tops Hogan versus the Giant. All of those, yeah. It, yeah, it tops them all, man. I mean, it, you can't. It's hard to argue with Rock or Hogan, two of the biggest stars of their respective generations, uh, colliding. That, that was the appeal, man. That was the box office attraction. But hey, uh, speaking of number one, I have to go back. Speaking of Sting, I got to give him, show him respect. And it's not against Flair or anybody. This is one of my favorite matches that he had was against Vader. I thought those guys had some tremendous wars. And WCW, okay. so I'm actually going to go uh, with the uh, the strap match, and I, I'm trying to recall. I think because the story they were telling Vader was still the monster and looked tough. He worked the stiffer style, and, and Sting was getting you know his comeback. But I, I believe uh, Vader ended up winning the match, though. If I am if I'm remembering correctly, because it, it's been a long time. It's but the one it, where he broke Sting's ribs. He he may have been, or that may have been the other match in Atlanta. Because this was Asheville, I think. But he he probably still could. I know Sting did tell that story with Vader, uh, God rest his soul, when DDP, that when WWE had the, uh, what is it, the table for three or something. And they were talking about that. And Vader was laughing like, oh, yeah, poor Sting gets his ribs, you know, and Sting's laughing over there. DDP. He's like, poor, you know, Sting gets hurt and everybody, you know, feels bad for him. But, it, boy, if it's Vader and Vader's laughing, you know, they're not, they show no sympathy for me. And, and Sting's laughing, and he recounts that story you're talking about. He's like, yeah, Vader did some kind of high-risk move. I don't know if it was a moonsault or what it was, but he's like, Sting all of a sudden can feel like his ribs coming up out of his, like his skin. He's like, just a scary moment. But it just shows you, man, it's not ballet. It's it's physical. I mean, it's, and yeah. Vader was, he worked that Japanese style, and Sting tried to calm him down a little bit, and so did Harley. That That's why they had Harley race as a manager, and uh but, man, Vader, he's like Bam Bam and a lot of those guys. Yoko, easily one of the better big men because he could, for what he could do, especially in his years where he would, you know, it's disappointing, speaking of Vader, when he came into WWF because he still had some good encounters, but it's like he was missing something. He he wasn't the same, you know. Tell you what, if there was one dream match that I would have liked to see, I would have liked to see Vader versus Bam Bam. Both Me too. Peak for the, those guys, just, yeah, at their peak, th those guys would have tore the house down because they were tag team partners in Japan too. And if they could have had the singles run and a rivalry, they would have they would have tore the house down. Man, you're so right. Their styles and and they like to, you know, hit harder and you know do stuff more off the top rope. It wasn't just methodical big man stuff. You had a lot of athleticism, yeah. agility. All the factors were there. It just reminds me of two sea lions trying to like. <laughs> Well, yeah, the, yeah, the sea lines going to war. They're locking up, or one's doing a moonsault, and the others, you know, going across the top rope, doing rubbing his head or something. Hundred pounds just coming down on you like it's uh, <laughs> right. like you're playing SmackDown two, and you're uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name is doing a sunset flip, uh, viscera. Oh, viscera! Oh my gosh! Yeah, you talk about a, a massive individual. Speaking of viscera, and this is kind of going off topic. When he was doing the whole thing, flirting with Trish, that was a, a weird time for WWE. But it was funny, though. It was comical because he was coming out there eating hot dogs and, and flirting with women. See, it was just a weird time. I don't know why, but you can't. I thought of it because you mentioned Viscera. I know that's off topic. I wish that he got the title as Mabel. Yeah, Mabel. And I wish that his finish was just the belly of the belly instead of doing that thing where he dropped yeah, because that, that's what was dangerous. That, that's why a lot of guys were didn't like working with him. Because you know, Taker, that's when he broke his nose. That wasn't it against Mabel? He had to wear that yeah. mask for his face, the face mask. So, yeah. Well, anyway, he, 
he probably should have got his opportunity, but yeah, it's hard to narrow it down to just five. I mean, but I was yeah. trying to think of some different matches too. So, uh, and, and ones that didn't have the hitman Cause you know, I, I, I started laughing at myself cause I would, I was, you know, there was two at least. And I was like, yeah, I better hey, man, we can do a top five hitman. We, yeah, we could, there's plenty. There is plenty yeah. of good matches. Especially, right, well, yeah, go ahead. Especially during that generation run and going into the attitude era, he was still there for the early stages. So, yeah. So I think about the Rushmore stuff. Yeah, me too. I think we pretty much, uh, yeah, we notes. covered it. Yeah, we did. And we, we did pretty good not having a lot of notes, uh, you know, compared to the last one. You're always good at that. I wish I had, yeah, you got the, the memory, you are the brain. You're, you're like Bobby yeah. Heenan. I, I'm the guy that's got to, okay, prepare for a couple of days, and I, I'm still lucky if I remember half of it. But, you know, so it is what it is. Yeah. Glad everybody came out to check us out. Yeah, we're, we're so happy. Hey, we're having fun doing this show, and I'm glad to have some new episodes coming out soon, so look out for those. And, uh, Mike, man, this is just a lot of fun. We're going down memory lane. I mean, we're just fans like everybody else. We just enjoy having some conversations, reliving the glory days and, and even talking the current product, who knows what, uh, what yeah, come up on say, it. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. This weekend's rumble, right? Yeah. Royal rumble. That's a big deal. Who's going to show up? You know, we know Cody, that's not going to be any surprise. All right. Real quick. Name a ridiculous return at rumble that could never happen because they're dead. Cause they're dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, this is going to sound awful, and I, I don't mean it to come out. I, I would probably guess Warrior, even though he's passed on. But yeah, how, how wild would it be though? Him if just I, shaking the ropes, see, you know, running down the wall. Yeah, zombie brains. Yeah, and let him cut a promo, and then either he eliminates somebody or somebody eliminates him. This would be funny and one off. He's like, "Speak to me, Warriors." <laughs> somebody, some new guy <sighs> to get get the new talent over. You know, he just helps him, and he gets eliminated. Destrosity. Yeah, there you go. Uh if I had one person come back as a zombie at the Royal Rumble, hmm. Yeah, it, this is another tough one. Man. You know what? Screw it. New Jack. New Jack would be cool. Now, people better get ready, man. Place about to get dangerous, man, if you get on his bad side. All right. Now, before we get to the driver hole, I guess we'll call it a quits. Yeah, but hey, Royal Rumble's coming up, so that, that's always kind of a, a neat topic. If somebody was still living, who would you like to see? Because they bring back the legends. I mean, it wouldn't be yeah. out of the norm. <laughs> bring back Terry Funk with all his facilities. Oh, I love Terry Funk. Chainsaw Charlie, he could do the three yeah. faces of Funk, just like Foley did. <laughs> Have him win the Rumble, but he doesn't come in for his title match because he's got to go take care of his pet horse. Yeah, right. And, and, and Amarillo at the uh, Double Cross Ranch. <laughs> yeah. And call somebody into egg sucking dogs. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. Vince, my steed's sick. I have to go home. Yeah. He's like, Vince, I, I've got to retire my horses or need intending to. You're nothing more than an egg sucking dog. Don't do that bump, kid. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. I love Terry Fox. Let me just say this. Hey, to all you fans out there, you better do the <laughs> Rewind podcast or the Russian nightmare will be coming after you. Jetoeta. Ah. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. 
we want to hear what you have to say. What do you guys want to talk about? Uh, tell us in the comments below. Let us know. What you your had to throw are. that out there, didn't you? I you did. Do it to me. I did. You know, just for you, Key. Uh, tell us what your thoughts are in the comments below. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification button. Like us across social media. Go buy some merch. Get some tickets for CCW. And my friends, we will got we will catch you guys next time here on Rewind Wrestling Radio.